hated, he opened her womb. But Rachel was bare. Leah conceived and bore a son, and she called his name Reuben, for she said, because the Lord has looked upon my affliction. For now my husband will love me. She conceived again and bore a son and said, Because the Lord has heard it that I am hated, He has given me this son also. She called his name Simeon. Again she conceived and bore a son and said, Now this time my husband will be attached to me because I have borne him three sons. Therefore his name was called Levi. She conceived again and bore a son and said, This time I will praise the Lord. And for she called his name Judah. And she ceased bearing. Now when Rachel saw that she bore Jacob no children, she envied her sister. She said to Jacob, Give me children or I shall die. Jacob's anger was kindled against Rachel, and he said, Am I in the place of God who has withheld from you the fruit of the womb? And she said, Here is my servant Bilhah. Go to her that she may give birth on my behalf, that even I may have children through her. So she gave him her servant Bilhah as a wife, and Jacob went into her. Bilhah conceived and bore Jacob a son, and Rachel said, God has judged me. Has also heard my voice and given me a son. Therefore, she called his name Dan. Rachel's servant Bilhah conceived again and bore Jacob a second son. And Rachel said, with mighty wrestlings, I have wrestled with my sister and I have prevailed. So she called his name Nephtali. When Leah saw that she had ceased bearing children. She took her servant Zilpah and gave her to Jacob as a wife. And Leah's servant Zilpah bore Jacob a son and Leah said, good fortune has come. She called his name Gad. Leah's servant Zilpah bore Jacob a second son. And Leah said, happy am I, for women have called me happy. So she called his name Asher. Now in the days of wheat harvest, Reuben went and found mandrakes in the field, and he brought them to his mother Leah. Rachel said to Leah, please give me some of your son's mandrakes but she said to her is it a small matter that you have taken away my husband she take away my son's mandrakes also rachel said then he may lie with you tonight in exchange for your son's mandrakes when jacob came from the field in the evening leah went out to meet him and said you must come in to me for i have hired you with my son's mandrakes so she lay with her that night God listened to Leah, and she conceived and bore Jacob a fifth son. Leah said, God has given me my wages because I gave my servant to my husband. So she called his name Issachar. Leah conceived again and bore Jacob a sixth son. And Leah said, God has endowed me with a good endowment. Now my husband will honor me because I have borne him six sons. She called his name Zebulun. Afterwards, she bore a daughter, called her name Dinah. And God remembered Rachel. God listened to her and opened her womb. She conceived and bore a son and said, God has taken away my reproach. She called his name Joseph, saying, May the Lord add to me another son. And then this is 
the word of the Lord this morning. You know, the wedding day is supposed to be the happiest day of your life. And here you are, the person that you love more than anything else in the world, the person that you can't get enough of. You and that person are finally united together. It's one flesh. The two have become one. Here you are on that day in a state of bliss and euphoria so glad that you and your love are married at last. Now hopefully that was your experience. And hopefully that bliss, that euphoria lasted a little bit longer than what Jacob's did. I mean, most of us will stand here and say, oh yeah, it was lovely, it was blissful, it was the great day, and I still remember that day, and yet we can probably admit that there have been days where you really did not like that person you were married to or are married to. As somebody said, our wife and I, we decided when we got married that divorce would never be an option. But nobody said anything about murder, so here we are. The fact of the matter is, the reason I say I hope it lasted longer in Jacob's, I say that, of course, in what we read last week and talked about last week. Genesis 29, verse 23, In the evening he took his daughter Leah, speaking of Laban, Jacob's father-in-law, and he brought her to Jacob. Jacob went in to Leah. In the morning, behold, it was Leah. And Jacob said to Laban, What is this you have done to me? Did I not serve you for Rachel? Why then have you deceived me? I mean, you can, you can picture the scene in your mind, can't you? Jacob is on his way to find a wife from his uncle's family has no idea who or what he's looking for. He hasn't been on uh, Match.com or whatever dating website is out there. I don't know, by the way. I'm just going on what I've heard. He finds a well, and there at the well, ask about Laban, his uncle, and they say, oh yeah, he's around. In fact, his daughter is coming to tend and take care of his sheep and Sure enough, Rachel rolls in the herd of sheep. Jacob lays eyes on her and she is the most beautiful thing. And all her sheep smelliness and everything else, he falls in love with her and goes home and introduced to his family and, and, he, and, he, and he serves Laban for a month and, and he can't get enough of Rachel. And Laban says, hey, let's, let's make a deal. And Jacob says, I'll serve you for seven years if I can just marry Rachel. A day comes and Jacob says, it's time. Seven years are up. I've counted down the days. Look at the calendar. Here we are. And, and Jacob feels the euphoria, of this, of the euphoria of this wedding day. The feast is great. The party is going on. The food is wonderful. The wine is perfectly aged. Now the moment has come and Jacob is so glad that he worked hard every day those last seven years. 
wakes up in the next morning and he rolls over and it is not Rachel there, it is Leah. The euphoria of that wedding is measured in literal hours. Not years, not months, not weeks, not even days. Hours. Hours. Jacob goes from the happiest man in the world to bearing the love of his life to, to utter disappointments. Of course, the reason we mention this is because it provides a backdrop. Provides a backdrop, a foundation for our text today, not so much in terms of Jacob, but in this context, we see, of course, the marriages of Leah and Rachel being played out. In this context that children are brought into the world, it is in this context of of Jacob's disappointment for sure, but also Leah and Rachel's pain that we see. God's plans and purposes and even blessings being poured out. Even in the midst of pain. When you're here today and you feel you know the pain of life, maybe it is with Leah and Rachel and Jacob, a pain of a marriage that's not going the way it should be. Maybe it's a pain of something else. Maybe it's a pain of a child who is not living the way that you want him to. I mean, it's a pain of having dreams and plans and, and visions and, and all this stuff and they just don't seem to, to come together the way they are. Maybe it's a pain of a, of a disaster, even a, a natural disaster. You can only imagine those in Florida who worked so hard, sacrificed so much to buy that home on the beach and now it's utterly gone and ruined. Maybe that's your pain this morning and I want to remind you through it all that God wants to bring blessing into your life. God wants to bring blessing into your life. God wants to speak blessing into your life even in the middle of your pain. God wants to provide hope and healing. God wants to add to you and bless and honor your life today. And so we look at this text and we notice, first of all, Leah's, Leah's pain this morning. Again, I hope that you and your, your spouse did not wake up the first morning after you were married. Your spouse rolled over and looked at you and said, Ooh, gross. Where did you come from? Who or what are you doing here? Every once in a while I try to tell Mary I think she's beautiful, and she says, I'm glad you're blind. And I said, No, I got my glasses on. You're beautiful. So I try to keep them on because when I take them off, she has a legitimate excuse because I am pretty much blind, but Hopefully you woke up that morning, your wedding after your wedding, and thought, "I'm really glad it's it's her or him." And that's that's not what Leah wakes up to, is it? She wakes up and realizes Jacob's gone. Puts on a robe and goes out to see if the coffee started. And then she hears her husband's voice outside, and she hears her father's voice, and and she 
gets quiet and listens and, and Jacob is yelling at her dad and he's saying, what are you doing to me? Why did you give me her? I don't love her. What, what is this you have done to me? What kind of a cruel trick, Laban, have you played on me? Verse 31 again says these words, when the Lord saw, saw that Leah was, was hated. Where Lord saw that Leah was hated. The word is literally hated, and that's why the English Standard Bible I read from, which is a, a literal translation, says hated, but the NIV that probably a lot of you have really has a better translation when it states simply that Leah was unloved. Leah was, it's not that Jacob was walking around with loathing in his heart and saying, I can't stand the sight of her. And if I ever see her, I'm going to punch her eyes out. No, Jacob just ignored her. Didn't listen to her. Didn't care. She walked in the house after going to the grocery store. He did not bother to get up and help. Her children were screaming and Causing her all kinds of headache. There was no concern on Jacob's part for her. Sing the old song. It's Rudolph the red-nosed reindeer who isn't loved, who isn't wanted. But here it's Leah, the tender eye, the eyes that were not very beautiful to look at. Makes Jacob feel unconcerned and unloved for her. And, and you see this playing out in her life in the naming of her children. Verse 32, Leah conceives and, and bore a son and she called his name Reuben for she said, because the Lord has looked on my affliction. Now my husband will love me. Reuben means see a son. See a son. Here I am, Jacob. Look, look, I've just had a child. Look, it's a boy. It's what you wanted more than anything else. A son to carry on your name. Surely my husband will see me now. Verse 33, she conceived again and bore a son and said, because the Lord has heard that I am hated, he has given me this son also. So she goes from seeing in Reuben now to hearing in Simeon. Simeon's name means heard. Jacob cannot hear, help but hear the cries of these boys as they're screaming for their diaper to be changed and needing to be fed and they're running around the house playing Superman and Batman and all this stuff. Surely Jacob will hear me. Verse 34, she conceived and bore a son and said, Now, now this time, my husband will be attached to me because I have borne him three sons. Three sons, not just one, not two, three. His name is Levi. Levi means attached. Now, now he'll, he'll attach himself to me. I mean, there's nothing more than, than, than better than having a son. And I had not just one, I had three sons. Now he will surely attach himself to me. And again, you see, you see this pain of Leah. Surely Jacob's going to hear. Surely Jacob's going to listen. Surely Jacob's going to see. Surely Jacob is going to pay attention to me. After all, we have three boys together. And it goes on in chapter 30. Verse 14, we're told in the days of wheat harvest, Reuben, 
went and they found mandrakes in the field. The firstborn son is playing around and stumbles in the edge of a field there, a, a plant, a bush of mandrakes, brings them to his mother. Rachel said to Leah, please give me some of your mandrakes. Why, why is this so important? It's because mandrakes were thought to be an aphrodisiac. They thought to be a food that would make one desirable and, and increase the odds of fertility. Back then, they thought if they had these mandrakes, that they would be more fertile as women. And Reuben finds some and brings them to his mother who's elated because she has left off bearing children. We're told she's not giving birth after she gives birth to four sons. And, and, and she's so excited. And somehow her sister Rachel finds out that these Mandrakes are in Leah's tent. She gets to thinking, if I can only have some, then guess what? I'll, I'll become pregnant. And look at Leah's response there in verse 15 as Rachel comes. Please give me some of those mandrakes. Just let me have the chance to have a child. Verse 15, she says, is, this, is it a small matter? You have taken away my husband. Is this a small thing? I mean, that wedding night all those years ago, that was, that was me and him. But you've taken him away. He doesn't pay attention to me. All he cares about is you. Now you want to take my son's mandrakes so you can get pregnant. Even though Jacob has relationships with Leah from time to time, he has his clothes in Rachel's tent. Rachel's the one that gets taken out for Valentine's Day. Rachel's the one who gets taken out for her birthday. Verse 16, when Jacob comes from the field that evening, Leah went out to meet him. Said, you must come in to me. I have hired you. The wording and the idea of this verse is more than just Leah meeting Jacob at the front door. You hear your husband coming in through the front door and you take 10 steps from your kitchen into your living room. And if you're like me, you get yelled at and told, take your shoes off. Don't be tramping through the house with mud. Now this, this is not what's going on. Leah knows he's coming and she's out the edge of the yard looking for Jacob. She goes out and she finds him. She's looking in the barn. She's looking in the chicken houses, the chicken coops, wherever he might be. And she is letting him know, you will be in my house tonight. And of course, behind it all is a, is a life that is filled, filled with pain. A husband that refuses refuses to love her. I mentioned it last week, so I won't spend time here, but Peter challenges us. Husbands, you have to live with your wives in an understanding way. You have to understand what is going on with her. You have to know her. You have to see her pain and her frustration. And yes, I confess this morning, that I've been there where I've been talked to or yelled at and 
to where does that come from? What in the world? And yes, I've been guilty of realizing that there's been things in her life that's it's been bothering her, and I'm sitting here like an idiot, not paying attention. So many of us do that, and so many guys do that, and Jacob is one of these men. You have to understand and know what your wife is going through and facing. But again, Leah's life is filled with this pain of wanting, desiring, just wanting to know that he's listening. And if that is you today, lady, your husband, whether he's sitting next to you or at home, or he's not in your life this morning, I want you to know God hears you. God does see you. God is the one you can run to. He is the one who will always listen when you talk to Him. We see here Leah's pain, but it's not Leah's pain. It's also, it's also Rachel's pain. Rachel's pain. Leah's feeling the hurt of being unloved, being unwanted by her husband. Rachel doesn't have that again. There's a dozen roses on Rachel's table, and they were just picked this morning. Just picked from the gas station. Oh, wait, I don't know if they did that back then, but. Yeah, Rachel had a wonderful dinner at Longhorn Steakhouse or Melting Pot or wherever you like to go. Hopefully it's a little bit better than McDonald's, but I guess we're not here to judge. No, Rachel, Rachel feels the love of, of, uh, of Jacob, but yet her pain is different. She can't have children. Genesis 30, verse 1, when Rachel saw that she bore Jacob no children, she envies her sister. She says to Jacob, give me children or I will die. Of course, this is so opposite from what we see today in our culture. In our culture today, it's a good thing not to have children. More and more are finding themselves without children and they don't want them. The placement rate is down to 1.72 children per couple. And we think we can survive on that as a country, and of course we can't. And so for you young people here, I challenge you this morning, get married, have children if you're able to. God blesses you. Yes, it's hard. Yes, you can't go out to eat every night. Yes, you can't travel and take all those cruises and vacations. But yes, your life will be so much better. Rachel has been through a lot. She has this charming man swooning her, falling in love with her. She's being told she's getting married on Friday and Friday comes along. She can't sleep. She's so excited. And her dad says, I need you to come with me. And he locks her in the barn and the party is going on. And dad comes and lets her out of the barn the next day. And she realizes that her sister has taken her husband. Finally, she gets married. The honeymoon's on. Jacob is finally happy. And yet, and yet no children come. Meanwhile, Leah, the big sister, has cranked out not just one, but two, three, four kids. I mean, Jacob looks at Leah and she's pregnant. 
How is this happening? And, and again, this pain is manifesting itself. We, we know that as a result of the fall that sometimes this happens and, and God sees that broken heart of those who are unable to have children. I want you to know that this morning. But, but yet to not have a child in biblical times was to be cursed. It was to be stigmatized. It was to be an outcast. It was to be thought something is wrong with you. As pain manifests itself in verse 1 again. Give me children, Jacob. Give me children or I'm going to die. My life is not worth living. In verse 2, it's to the point where Jacob is angry at her. What do you want me to do? What do you want me to I'm not God. I can't help it you don't have kids. Go talk to somebody else. You can see the fracturing of the relationship. This pain of not having children results in lashing out at Jacob, accusing him. Accusing him of withholding children from her. And then she concocts this scheme. Well, I know how I'll have children. Verse 3, here's my servant Bilhah. Go into her that she may give birth on my behalf. Now you would have thought that Jacob would have shared stories of Grandpa Abraham and the trouble he had. But Dad Isaac and Uncle Ishmael, the trouble that was there, and Abraham said, you thought Jacob might have told Rachel. In fact, she doesn't even need that. You would think she would realize the aggravation that's there between her and her sister. I mean, you guys are out meeting every day, flipping a coin to see who Jacob's going to spend the night with. Tension that is there between these two. Of course, when pain is there, when hurt is there, sometimes irrational actions occur. We do things we really don't mean to do. Again, this pain manifests itself in the naming of these children. Verse 6, God has judged me and he has heard my voice and give me a son through Bilhah. She called his name Dan, which means God has judged me. God has judged me. Look at me, I am doing the right thing by letting you sleep with my servant. Verse 8, and Rachel said, with mighty wrestlings, I have wrestled with my sister and I have prevailed. So she calls his name Nephtali. Again, her servant conceives and bears a son. She looks at Leah and sticks out her tongue and says, I have wrestled with you and I have beat you. And again, these mandrakes in verse 14, Rachel hears that Leah has them. What does she do? She goes and she begs her, pleads with her, give me some of the mandrakes. Give me some of those fertility plants. Give me those things that are going to help me to become pregnant. Of course, the irony in this text is she takes the fertility plants, the mandrakes, and Leah gets pregnant again. Go figure, huh? She has to strike a deal, though, with Leah. Yes, you can spend the night with Jacob. Just let me take that medicine. Again, again, you can see the pain manifesting through the life of Rachel as much as you see it in Leah. These two women are finding themselves in the middle 
of difficult situations. Pain is manifesting itself. There's so many things we could learn from this story already. We have to learn that our spouse and our children cannot be an idol to us. When your spouse becomes your idol, he becomes or she becomes an obsession in your life. They will disappoint you. They will let you down. They will hurt you. Put all your stock in your children and so many do all they can to to see their, their child succeed and their child turns and walks away from them. see that lesson coming out so clearly here. I also see again, as I've said over and over again, that God is concerned about the means as well, as well as the end. You can't deceive and connive and trick your way into the blessings of God. The story of the people of Israel, oh, we want meat, we want meat, we want meat, and God gives them so much quail. Wow, he gives them quail. He sends sickness through them. Began to die because they think they had to have that quail instead of just trusting God. You can't deceive and connive and trick your way into the blessings of God. I believe this is what God wants. So, you know, I believe God wants me to be rich. So if I just embezzle money from my employer... Hey, it's the blessings of God. Well, maybe it is. Maybe you'll be rich. Maybe your employer won't know any difference. But you better believe God is watching. God is looking. Yeah, if I can't have a child, tell you what, I'll make a deal with my sister. I'll give you my servant, and I'll give you my servant. I'll give you my servant. Poor Jacob here doesn't know which way to go every night. On and on we can see the lessons that, lessons that can be seen in Rachel and Leah jousting for Jacob's affection, jousting for children. We should also consider the blessing that comes. The blessing that comes even in the middle of these ladies' pain. The blessings that come. And again, we could easily start off by talking about the blessing of children and we said in some sense we should probably do that. Children are a blessing from the Lord. Children are a gift from God. We should never as a church lose sight of that reality. So many of us sit around in the mornings and after church and during the days and we watch cable news and talk shows and all this stuff. And Oh man, we just got to vote for these people. We got to stop this stuff. You know what we got to do as a church? we got to teach our young people that it is a good thing to get married and have children. You want to win the culture where that's how we're... I mean, we're not going to win in November. When's election day? The 8th, 7th? Somewhere around there, go out and vote. Okay, go do that. That's not how we're going to win. We're going to win by teaching the next generation. We've got to have a long game strategy. So bring your kids to church. Don't just get mad and go vote for whoever's not in power. I mean, do that because I'm going to. But bring them. Teach them the ways of God. 
We can talk about that, but it's not the point here this morning. Let's first of all look at the point about the blessing of praising God even in the middle, the middle of your pain. The blessing of praising God even in the midst, in the middle of your pain. I mentioned earlier about how Leah named her first three sons Reuben. See, Jacob, a son is born. Simeon, look, Jacob, hear, hear, Jacob. Levi, attach yourself to me, Jacob. I have three sons for you. But I didn't mention verse 35. Verse 35 of chapter 29, she conceived again. She bears a son and she says these words this time. This time I will praise the Lord. She calls his name Judah. And guess what Judah means? It means praise. Naming her fourth child, Leah departs from her obsession with winning the love of Jacob and rather she exalts the Lord at the birth of Judah. I will praise. Judah means God will be praised. May Yahweh be praised. You see, her attention now is not on Jacob. It's not on, hey, pay attention to me. Here's my three sons. They look just like you, Jacob. Pay attention to me. Now her attention is turned toward the God who is worthy to be praised. The blessing that comes when you're willing to step away, walk away from looking for attention and affection and adoration from others. And you simply say, I will praise the Lord. I will bless the Lord. I will worship the Lord. No matter what I am facing in my life, I will bring him praise. That's why Job sat there on a beautiful sunny day and all of a sudden a man comes running into his house and says, Job, your livestock are dead, all of them, all thousands of heads of cattle, they're dead. Job, here comes another guy, your fields are dead. Job, Job, here comes another and another. And finally, Job, all ten of your children are dead. We read in Job chapter 1 where he falls to his knees. And he says, blessed be the name of the Lord. Naked I came out of the womb. Naked I'm going back to the grave. Blessed. Blessed be the... I mean, we, we sing it on Sunday mornings. You give and take away. You give and take away. And it sounds so great, doesn't it? Think about those words. The context in which they write those songs. My heart would choose to say, Blessed be the name of the Lord when I've just lost millions of dollars. I've lost everything including my children. And Job says, I will bless him. Psalm 34, verse 1, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. Oh, that sounds great. That I will bless the Lord at all times. Let's stand together, church, and sing, and I will bless the Lord at all times, and let's get the drums going at a 150 beats a minute or however long. Ron goes until he throws a drumstick. But look at the heading above that in Psalm 34. 
Psalm 34, my English Standard Bible says this of David. This is the Psalm of David. And he changed his behavior before Abimelech so that he drove him out and he went away. The psalm is written in the context of 1 Samuel 21. Abimelech is believed to be another name for Achish, the king of Gath. Look at what it says. 1 Samuel 21, verse 10. David rose and fled that day from Saul, and he went to Achish, the king of Gath. And the servants of Achish said to him, Is not this David the king of the land? Did they not sing to each other and dance as Saul has struck down his thousands? David is ten thousands. David overhears this. He takes these words to heart and he was much afraid of Achish, the king of Gath. So he changed his behavior before them and pretended to be insane in their hands and made marks on the doors of the gates and let his spittle run down his beard. And Achish looked at him and said, Behold, you see, the man is mad. Why have you brought him to me? Do I lack madmen that you have brought this fellow to be a bad, a behave as a madman in my presence? Do I really need one more crazy person to take care of? David has fled from Israel, from Saul. Let's go to Gath. They'll take care of us. They're enemies of Israel. No, they don't want him either. David says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. Well, bless the Lord at all times. Bless the Lord on the day when I say I do. I will bless the Lord the day when I kiss their dead body in that casket. I will bless them and praise them. I will bless the Lord on the day I'm holding that pregnancy test and it's showing positive a blessing when that child is taken from me forever I bless the Lord on the day when my name is plastered on the corner office and there it is in that nice brass nameplate so and so CEO head dog I don't know if they put head dog on their nameplates but whatever and I will bless the Lord when I show up the next morning in the office and the key doesn't work. And you call somebody and they say, oh yeah, we we're going to tell you we fired you last night. It's over. God remembered Leah. She began to praise God even in the middle of these storms and these trials. But it's not just the blessing of Leah praising God in the middle of her pain. It's also the blessing of knowing that God has not forgotten you. God has not forgotten you. Rachel has yelled at Jacob in anger. She's taken mandrakes to make her fertile. She's given Jacob her handmaiden. And over and over again, Jacob has showed up at her tent because he really loved her. Nothing has happened. We finally come to these words in verse 22, don't we, of Genesis 30. God remembered Rachel. God remembered Rachel. He opened her womb and she conceived and bore a son and said, God has taken away my reproach. 
She called his name Joseph, saying, May the Lord add to me another son. God had not forgotten about Rachel. God was looking through the tears and the pain, the heartache of Rachel and saying, I see you. I know what you're going through. I am here. I am here with you. I've not abandoned you. I've not left you alone. Isaiah said, can a woman forget her nursing child that she should have no compassion? Can a woman really walk away from that child that she has spent nine months cultivating and giving life to? Then Isaiah answers and said, yeah, they might forget, but God will never forget you. I have engraved you on the palm of my hand. Your walls are continually before me. Even if, a, even if a, an earthly mother, a, a woman, forgets her own children as she gave life to, God would never, ever forget you. The word remember does not mean that God had forgotten Rachel. It simply means that God came to the help of, He came to the aid of. He did something merciful for her. God thought of Rachel and He gave her the child. On and on we read these words, Genesis 8-1, God destroys the world in the flood. But you know what God did? He remembered Noah. He remembered Noah. And the waters passed away from the earth. God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah because of their wickedness. Yet in Genesis 19, so it was that when God destroyed the cities of the valley, God remembered Abraham and he grabs Lot by the hands pulls him out of the city. Exodus chapter 2. God hears the groaning of the Israelites as the Egyptians are beating them, telling them, why haven't you made enough bricks for us? God hears their groaning, Exodus 2, 24, and God remembers His covenant. With Abraham, with Isaac, with Jacob. If we were to go all through Scripture, we could see those words over and over. God remembered. God remembered. And Paul didn't write the word remembered in Galatians chapter 4, but he did say this in the fullness of time. God gave us His Son. God knew when the time was right there on that first Christmas morning, Mary gives birth to the Son of God, lives, dies, rises again. And as that old song says, when He, he was on the cross, we were the ones that were on His mind. He knew us yet. He loved us. He, his glory makes the Heaven shine. So unworthy of such mercy. And yet when we were on the cross, or when He was on the cross, sorry, God, when Christ was on the cross, we were on His mind. If God loves you so much and He has remembered you so much that He would send His Son to die for your sins, how can you think today that He has somehow abandoned you or forgotten you 
or is not going to bless you even in the middle of the pain and the heartache you face. I wish I could tell you today that if you're here and you're facing trial or pain or difficulty, all you need to do is praise God and be faithful and God will give you that child you desire. Yeah, God gave Rachel a child. Yeah, Leah, as far as we know, never received the affections of Jacob. God gives Rachel another child and in the process of bringing Benjamin, Rachel's life is shortened. She dies giving birth to Joseph's brother. So I can't promise you that you're going to have a child and Probably for most of us, we'd say that's a good thing, I guess. Ooh. But I can't promise you this, in the midst of the pain and sorrow and hurting, you will find them. You will find him to be there for you. Hurting and awaiting, you'll realize that God has not abandoned you. God has not forsaken you. He has not. He will not let you go. He has not written you off. If you don't know him as Savior, it is not coincidence or accident that you're here today. It is God pleading with you to come to him. If you're here today, and whether it's the mistreatment from a spouse or a child or some other situation totally foreign to this text, God is telling you today, I am with you. Call on me and I will answer you. I be there with you. I challenge you this morning to realize even in the midst of the hurting and the pain, Jesus is still there, still loves you, has not forgotten you this morning. Amen. Let's bow our heads and pray, shall we? Lord, I don't know what it is that many are facing today some of it they've shared myself or with Mary to see the hurt and the difficulty that is there Lord I realize that through it all you have not forsaken you have not abandoned you have not left us alone you are always there. And we can speak your name into our life, and your name is healing, freedom, deliverance. And so I pray whether it's, again, a marital situation as Leah and Rachel and Jacob are facing, whether it's some other situation as it's not specified in our text this morning, but it still applies. God, your Holy Spirit would speak to them, speak to us. We would realize that you have not forgotten, have not abandoned, have not left us alone. You will always be there. You will bless. We will praise you. And thank you for it. And if you're here today, you're feeling that pain and that hurt of whatever it is. I challenge you to begin to just praise and worship God. 
and bless the name of the Lord. No matter how difficult the situation is that you're facing, begin to worship Him. Maybe you need to circle that Psalm 34 in your Bible and you need to go home and dwell on it, meditate on it. Think about those words. I will bless the Lord at all times. Challenge you to do that today. If you're here today and you don't know Christ, He has not forgotten you. It's not too late. You haven't done anything too bad. Come back to Him. Receive Him today.